Get ready for the education podcast that brings you the most unique, no-nonsense takes on school leadership, teaching, coaching, and all things K-12 education. This is Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Informal Observations with Skyrocket Education. I'm Michael Sombert, the founder of Skyrocket, here as always with the good doctor, Dr. Antonio Vance. Antonio, how are you doing? Hey, Michael. Great. How are you? I am well. I am well. I'm excited to connect with you. We are in, uh, we are in different parts of the country, which is not uh, a- atypical, but uh, you're back east. Is it still hot as shit out there? Uh, no, it's quite chilly and just different. It's transitioning. <laughs> it's transitioning because yes. the last couple of days I flew out. I'm in the Midwest, but I flew out to uh, I flew out from New York and it was uh, it's too late in the year for it to be 75 or 78 degrees. So I'm glad that you're telling me it's cooling down back there. Oh, yes. Feels good. I like the fall. I like the crispness. <laughs> I, I, I like it too. Um, and I'm excited for our topic tonight. We're talking about change tonight, like specifically why is change so hard? But before we get there, we're going to go to our three questions for the good doctor. As always, question number, and they're always random. Well, actually at this point, two and three are the same every single episode. But the first one is random, Antonio. Here we go. Mm-hmm. You'll like this one, man, because you have a science background. Antonio, do you believe in aliens? Is there life in the universe besides us? <laughs> um, aliens. I think aliens um, in the fact of not like little green men walking around, but I do believe that there's probably life. Um, as we understand it, um, but I don't. I, I don't know if I like believe like pe- like there are like aliens visiting us and UFOs and uh, you know other beings visiting us. I mean, there probably is life that looks similar somewhere in the universe, sure. Um, but I don't believe that we are being invaded or <laughs> visited or watched uh, currently. But I do believe there's life somewhere else, probably. What um, but and so even like uh, so you you believe that there are, there are beings like us. Uh, I at first I thought you were going up from to like the the microorganism route that there oh, is. Oh, go yeah. ahead, please. Yeah, that route too. I mean, I do think there's life, like you know, organisms that are doing the things that we consider life. You know, probably in our own solar system. Mm, um, mm. but I don't believe there's, you know, I mean, I, I do believe that probably somewhere there, there are some other, I mean, statistically, I mean, there probably is, I mean, if it's not, it's, it's, this is something really special we got here if, if there isn't, but I would not be surprised if there is other life similar to what we, we see and experience here. You know what I realized though, that you brought up our solar system. I don't know what our solar system is called. Does our solar system have a name? Like, I know we're in the Milky Way galaxy and we're next to the Andromeda galaxy and I get all that, but is our solar system called anything? Do you know that? Yeah, I think our, our the solar systems are usually named after the star that the planet is, the planets are um, revolving around. But, but our what's star- our star called? It's not the sun. I mean, we call it the sun, but it has a, a name, right? It does, but I don't know off the top of my hand what it is. It, it does. Absolutely. Hmm. Somebody's got to somebody's got to send us that <laughs> send us that information. I was reading about a star. So I love space. I, I, I thought at one point I'd be an astronomer. Well, I never thought I'd be an astronomer, but I always thought astronomy was really interesting. Oh, yes. I read about a star recently that's so big that if it was where our sun is, mm. Jupiter would still be inside of it. Yep. That's how big it is. It's like, I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know how many billions, billions of times more massive than our sun it is. But I just think, find that's just such a staggering, staggering uh, idea, right? Absolutely. I mean, there's 
tons of science um, in space that's staggering. <laughs> the, this <laughs> distance is staggering. Like all of it's it's kind of overwhelming when you think about it. And then how small we are in this vastness. I know, I know. I I agree with you. I don't think there are little green men and women visiting us. I don't think we're being watched. I don't think there are aliens and spaceships zooming around. Uh, I think uh, that the idea that there's no other life in the universe. I mean, you've heard this statistic, which is true, that there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on all the beaches on all in all the world. Yeah. Right. I mean, just pick up, just fill up, just fill a pail. And next time you're at the beach, fill a pail up with one bucket's worth of of sand and then multiply that by every single beach in the entire world. And there are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand in all the beaches in the world. The idea that there's nothing else living out there to me seems, A, I mean, it's horrifying, uh, but uh, it seems (laughs) impossible. (laughs) What'd you say? That is what it feels very lonely. It feels lonely, right? But I just think if you look at all the different uh, animals on our planet, uh, from zebras to uh, amoebas to, you know, uh, you know, horseshoe crabs to, um, you know, little like sponges and bacteria, I, I just think that I just think so many like miraculous things had to happen for us to be walking upright and using like using agreed upon language that I think that there are I can't even imagine I mean you see it in sci-fi movies with you know uh, I mean Star Wars does it well with all the different animals and the beings in the in the cantinas and things like that um, I'm, I think that's just a really interesting idea that I I, I I don't think that there are aliens watching us, but do I think that there are planets of, you know, you know, uh, what could look like dinosaurs uh, or just entire planets of like living slime where they're not, they don't have like 7-Elevens or Wawa's and they don't drive around <laughs> in electric cars, but they're living and there are beings like, yeah, I think that there, I think there's probably tons of that. I really do. I agree. Can't wait till we, well, we have the uh, James Webb going up in December. So we'll, we should be having some stuff to talk about soon. What's that? What's that looking at again? The James Webb. It's, it's several times uh, more powerful than Hubble. Wow. Um, going up December 18th. So it's supposed to look back a few million light years and get closer to the beginning of formation of, of our universe. So. I'm excited. See, that's mind blowing that we can look. We can look back in time. That is crazy to me. That's well, you so look back crazy. in time. Every time you look up and look at stars that are hundreds and thousands of light years away. I know our audience is thinking right now. Like, did 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 Vance and Summer? Did they trade the the typical booze for like? Did they smoke <laughs> weed? Did they smoke weed before this episode? <laughs> no, no, no. I love we this. We did stuff. not. We did not. No. Um, We've got to talk about this more more often. I'm gonna to come to I'm gonna to come to Brooklyn one night, and uh, you have a roof deck there or no? I do, and a telescope. All right, let's make a plan to do that. Uh, I'm right. I'm inviting myself. I hope it's okay. But we'll, I'll come to Brooklyn. We'll uh, have some drinks and look up at the sky because this is the coolest thing in the world. Do it. Um, or out of the world, as they say. Uh, Vance, what's something you've learned or something inspiring you've seen since we last spoke? You know, I've been talking to, uh, um, it's been coming up more and more and um, Education Week had an article and a few folks brought it to my attention. This idea around, um, and I don't know if we've talked about it, toxic positivity. Have we talked about that? <laughs> no, but I like the uh, I like yeah. the sound of this. I'm interested, man. We, you know, and I've been, you know, and I think I, you know, I got schooled a little bit myself um, as I read, you know, the article. And you know, if you want to look it up, there's definitely an Education Week article about it. And you know, as I read the article, I reflected on my own, you know, years as a principal. And toxic positivity really is around this like push around positivity when 
toxic conditions still continue. And it's when folks say things like, um, this is hard work, um, good vibes only, um, and really mm. sort of like placate people with these sort of mantras and things and like gifts, like t-shirts, dress down days, um, here's a free this. But in actuality, all those things don't actually eliminate the actual threat and the trauma and the problems that folks are having. And uh, I've, you know, I've spent time talking with um, lots of leaders around making sure that they are mindful that they are not being toxically positive and saying like, oh, I know you're overwhelmed, but you know, it's just, it's just tough work. Like it's hard being a teacher. Like that's not, that's, that's not fair and it's not right. Like we really need to think about how do we work with staff to address um, issues that are that are that are stressing them, and not just saying little catchy phrases, but actually putting in the work uh, to make work conditions and addressing the problems head on. And so, what is it? It's the because I find this really interesting. Uh, what is it? Is it the the idea that we are not if we are if we are being toxically positive that we are not here like legitimately hearing the other person's concerns yeah. because certainly not. I don't know what the article said, but I know that I know that you are not sending a message or I mean, tell me if you are that, that, but like that were that if somebody says that they're really stressed out and that they can't go on or that they, that they're, they, they don't want to do the work because yeah. they're overwhelmed that we would say that that's okay. Right. I mean, we certainly wouldn't say that that's okay, but I, I do want to hear, I don't want, I certainly don't want to put words in your mouth, but I feel like I know you, so well at this point, but, but tell me if I'm wrong, but it, it, but that we would address it differently than with something that uh, almost diminishes the other person's concern, doesn't hear the other person's concern. Tell me. Yeah. It's it's really about the things that we do, like, you know, to address like morale and, you know, folks are overwhelmed and, you know, working hours and weekends and we're like, Oh yeah, we know, but you know, it's just, it's hard work That's instead what of you signed up for it's what you signed up for. And we're all in this together <clears throat> yeah. instead of how can we work together to be flexible and logical uh, to make sure that we're addressing your concern and mm-hmm. not have the coffee cart go through the hallway, giving teachers coffee. I mean, I'm sure they love that, but it's not. Well, yeah, it's part, it's part of, Right. It's part of something. Right. I mean, there was a study I read recently that said that those types of things like free coffee and, you know, uh, happy hours and, you know, a pool table in the lounge. Not that schools that, you know, most schools (laughs) don't have room for a pool table, but just in offices in general, that that stuff is wearing really thin. And what people really want is to feel valued and yeah. open communication and early and often communication uh, and to be part of a larger mission and a larger purpose and to know what they're evaluated on and to know uh, and to get meaningful feedback. And that's what folks really want in the workplace, which is yep. it kind of speaks to your point. I think the one of the things you said that really resonates with me is this idea that there are going to be some things in schools that 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 folks can't change, that leaders can't change. Yep. And so there is, there is, um, there is an unanswerable piece when somebody says like lesson planning is taking a ton of time for me. Uh, assuming you've coached the person on lesson planning, uh, you know, streamlining their lesson planning, um, you know, uh, practices for lack of a better term that you would, that there are some things in school, like grading, I'm a former writing teacher, like grading 100 essays just takes a long time, right? And I, I did it a, a, you know, a dozen different ways. Uh, and I didn't look at the whole essay. I'd look at, you know, eventually got to a point where I didn't look at the whole essay. I looked at just specifically the most recent skill that we were working on. I'd set a timer right. for, for three minutes per essay. But that's still, uh, you know, it's still 300 minutes, right? That's not, that's, and that's, that's fast for that. And so it feels like even in places where it's going to be, you know, the answer is like, hey, that's, that's the gig that, that leaders should still be working collaboratively with, 
with staff to try and find other places where they can lessen yes. some of the stress. Yeah, working, I mean, I'm, I'm telling leaders, working with, with, with teachers and leaders to really find out how to manage time better, where, they, where, where the time wasters, where are the, the areas that leaders can be logically flexible uh, and really address much of the burden that, that folks feel. But I, the, the, the take home is not to be, you know, happy-go-lucky cheerleader and sort of just ignore um, and just go on about the day, um, you know, just chanting things and not actually addressing, talking to, recognizing all of the things that, that folks are faced with. <laughs> what about the thing that I do? Like when somebody on our team complains about like the work is too hard, I just, I get right in their face. I say, soft, you're soft. <laughs> yeah, that's toxically positive. That, that, that's, to <laughs> that's not even, to that's toxic negativity. <laughs> I say soft. Even when someone's like, I have something I want to share. I'm really, this is like hard you for me to share this. Michael. I'm being really vulnerable. <laughs> and they, before they even get two words in, I say soft. You, you have done that a few times. It's, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, I, <laughs> I learned that the dark makes us dumber. Um, a leader in Texas. I'm going to talk about a couple folks from Texas on this call, but a leader in Texas shared an article with me about how the dark makes us dumber. And you can look this up. I won't, I won't share all the key points, but every time I go into a classroom and the teacher has all the lights off because the yep. kids are looking at the PowerPoint or an overhead. And it feels like, I always say like, I don't think it needs to be this dark to yep. see what's up there. And by the way, like I want to fall asleep in this classroom. And I think teachers do it. I mean, I think it, they do it because they want kids to see, and I get that. But I also think there's like a, you know, when I was a teacher, I never opened my blinds, which in hindsight, I regret. But yep. in my mind, I'm like, I cannot have kids looking out the window all day long at every single thing that happens. So I kept my blinds closed, which I, I in hindsight, I hate. But I think there's a like, hey, I'm going to turn the lights down real low, like we're in a jazz club. And kids are just going to, as, you know, uh, human nature, right? Like folks are just going to become more mellow and more chilled out. And um, there's actual research about how it, um, and especially the dark with like the, 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 the glare from a screen, right? It actually like affects our ability to process. It affects how much we can actually learn. And um Yep. I always would walk into classrooms and be like, I hate that it's so dark in here. And now there's, I've now like, I have actual research that says that it's bad for kids. So I'm going to start sharing that with leaders uh, okay. when I'm in, when I'm in dark classrooms. Yeah. It's, it's bothered me as well. I mean, I, 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 I think as a teacher, I mean, I've known folks, you know, that have used that to just like, it creates a mellow, relaxed feel and kids are calmer and, things just go and it, it it's 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 real it's a it's a thing not all teachers do it I'm, and i'm certainly not suggesting folks are trying to tranquilize kids while they're teaching but there is a, a an effect and certainly like i mean when you're watching tv and you know at home and it's dark and you just have the tv on i'm not like absorbing much um so yeah i agree i think it's that's, that's a great um tool to start to get folks to brighten their rooms up and get folks paying and learning. So listen, man, we already just, we already established that we're not smoking weed uh, on this podcast, despite our, despite our, our conversations. About well, now they are. Now I put it in the, you now said it three times. Head. So now I yeah, so they're, like, they're like, he's denying it too hard. Oh, uh, so they clearly are. Uh, it's like that scene from the princess bride when they have to drink the, when he has to drink the poison. You ever seen The Princess Bride? You ever watched that one? Uh, of course I have. You're telling your age. <laughs> oh, am I really? <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, of course I've seen The Princess Bride. Um, classic movie, man. Very classic. Uh, what, uh, what are you drinking? You having anything? Very simple today. Red wine. Soft. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because it's not out the bottle? <laughs> yeah, you have to drink out of the bottle, man. Yeah, That's the only way to drink wine. In fact, we should go to a restaurant and order wine 
and uh, and drink it out of the, we should order a red wine bottle of red wine each and drink it out of the bottle and see if anybody says anything. I bet that would go I bet that would go viral in in, in three hours. Two two people at a dinner. I'm not uh, drinking both that. drinking wine out of the same out of a different bottle, not out of the same bottle, different bottle. It's COVID. We have to be careful. You're not going to do that. No, sir. Oh, all right. <laughs> I should say soft about that, but I don't want to overdo it. Um, I, you know that I'm in the middle of this uh, physical challenge. No, uh, no booze, no cheat meals, ice cold showers every day. Dude, I am loving the cold showers. I'm only taking cold showers, so I don't even do. There's a technique where you can. So I have to do a five minute cold shower every day. And there's a technique where you can like make the shower really warm get nice and used to it and then like slowly get it nice and cool and then put it really warm at the end. So you, you, you know, you don't free, you don't freeze yourself out. And I am just doing ice cold showers for five minutes. And then when the, the when the timer goes off, I just turn it off and get out. And I absolutely love it. Um, you've got to try it. And what Would exactly you- do you love about that? What, what do you love about that? <laughs> I love that it's like a challenge. Uh, something that's not something that's not typically challenging. I love that I am able to find a way to make it a challenge, and not in like a things are hard, right? I know that there are people for whom like just lots of things are just hard because of whatever, and I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like there is a there is a, uh, a there's a a nor- this is a for me a normal thing a typical thing that's like whatever and i've like upped the ante in it i've just totally changed changed the narrative i used to read about uh you know you know the basketball player will chamberlain he's, he passed away years ago but yes you know yep. who will Chamberlain? i used to read that will chamberlain when he was driving his car would um he'd see a sign in the distance and he would hold his breath until he got from one sign to that sign or from where he was to that sign. And I always thought that was a really interesting thing to just be driving a car and like, you know what, I'm going to make this way. I'm going to find a way to make this really challenging right now. Um, It's really weird. Or just, just drive. What? I don't, (laughs) what? Just take a shower. Yeah. Will Chamberlain, I think he also died of a heart attack, knock on wood. So I, maybe he was like holding his breath too much. And yeah, this is not, yeah. you know, there's two types of people in the world, I suppose, like folks that do things like that and folks that like don't. <laughs> and yeah. I don't know. I, just, I don't need I don't I don't need to make anything more challenging. I'm happy with my warm showers. I and- think there are there are the there are the toxically positive people, <laughs> and then there are the people who are soft. Choose your bucket, man. Choose I'm, your bucket. I'm gonna take a warm shower and be, be- <laughs> Uh, warm shower, wine out of the glass, and uh, and Oops. let's make sure the lights are on while you're doing it, so you don't get dumb. Let's uh, let's talk about change, man. I, I talked about uh, some schools in in Texas or a leader in Texas who shared that article with me. I was with some instructional coaches in um, in Texas not all that long ago, and they're all brand new to the instructional coach role. Mm-hmm. And all some super smart and super passionate people. I love spending time with these folks. They're just like, they just get, they just get it. Um, They get education. They get why like they're just so needed and they get why, quite frankly, our model is different and, you know, uh, and is just so needed in in schools. Um, But I got out there on my first visit after like our initial training and initial meetings and uh, and folks weren't uh, pessimistic by any means. I want to be clear on that. But folks were feeling the weight of what it's like to move another human being from one place to another. And the the you know one one or two folks shared like, hey. Um, was I, was I just more impactful when I was in the classroom? Should I, should I go back to the classroom? And nobody, nobody said it really seriously, but, but there was like this, like folks were thinking it and it, it reminded me and I shared this with them. It just, it it reminded me. And I think this is an important thing for us to remind people. and, And honestly, to remind ourselves that like changing yourself is incredibly hard. 
And so changing another person uh, is sometimes when they don't want to change, sometimes when it's uncomfortable to change, is really, really hard. And it was a good reminder. And I feel like folks felt 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 good at the end of that at the end of that day together, the end of the conversation. But my question for you is like, why why is change? Uh, a have you experienced this as well? Sure. And and why is it? You know, why is change so freaking hard? Yeah, I think there's two there's two things that immediately come to mind. One is change does not change just takes time, like rarely do behaviors change in one fell swoop, right? Like there has to be like a cycle and it takes time. And then like, there's like regression, then you move forward. And there are very few things that change um, at, at, in one, you know, one opportune time. So I think that part of it, the difficulty is that folks don't know how, you know, what the end will be. And, and that time difference is what really makes folks default uh, to, to, to old habits and, and why it's really hard to change habits. And then I think the other is, is, is fear. I think yes. that, I think folks are, I, I think that, that it's the fear of the unknown. Like I'm, I'm, I'm happy here. And if I have to change, what if I fail? What if we go through this and it doesn't work? I mean, I can think of tons of, you know, millions of, 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 of times when, you know, as a leader, when something had to change, I'm like, what if this actually doesn't work? What if I make things worse? Um, so I think those are two things. I think one, it just takes time. And two, I think fear is, is, is are, are two big components. Yeah, I think uh, the second piece resonates with me more than the first, because I do agree that it most of the time takes time. Um, and I was with some leaders today who were like, like they've made radical change in teachers' classrooms uh, in a, in a very short amount of time by doing the by 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 training them and coaching them really well. Um, but I, I I agree that that large scale change like moving reading proficiency across an entire school or an entire <laughs> network or an entire district that that stuff really does take time. Um, the, the, the piece around the, the fear is reminding me, I, I have one of my goals every single day is that my, the, the emails in my inbox can fit on one, one page, right? Like, and not even, not even a page you have to scroll, scroll up and down. Like I need to see every one of my emails in, in one, uh, on my screen at one time. And so that means that every day I am uh, putting stuff in, either getting back to people, or some things are FYIs, and I can I can delete those. Uh, if there's an invite on my calendar, I accept it or I decline it right away, or I put stuff in I put stuff in in, in folders. I have tons of folders in my in my Gmail. I imagine other folks do as well. And I say, all right, that's for this network. I'm going to put that in this folder. This thing I need to respond to, et cetera. There's one email. So every single thing in my email today inbox is from today's date, except for one, which is from like two years ago. And it's from a guy named Harv Ecker. Um, Harv Ecker has written a bunch of books on business. He wrote one that I really loved. And I signed up for one of his courses. And it was a few, I mean, it, was, it wasn't cheap, man. It was a, like a few thousand dollars. And they sent me all the logins and they sent me all the modules and I've done absolutely nothing with it in, I think it was like June of, of 2000, I think it was like 2018 or, or maybe 19, but it's at least two years old. And I, 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 this guy's books have, have helped me as a, as an entrepreneur I've, I've learned a lot from him. I, I agree with so much of what he says and prescribes. And I won't dive into the course because it's going to make me uncomfortable. It's going to force me to do things that I am either not good at or that I don't want to do, maybe because I'm not good at them, right? I mean, we, we do things, we tend to do things that we're good at, right? We tend to avoid things that we're not good at. 
Um, and, and there's a fear there that I'm going to have to change. Like there's this like, Hey, things are going well. Right. And even if things aren't going great in schools, if the wheels are on and like, and, and, and it's not, we're not in code red all day long and every day, it could feel like, man, I don't know what this other thing is going to look like. Things aren't perfect now, but they could get worse if I try this thing. Let me just stay exactly where I am because I've, I've learned how to navigate exactly where I am. Interesting. Well, well Michael, I'm going to challenge you. <laughs> challenge you. There's a challenge. Let's hear it. On the table to open that email and to okay. dive in before the end of 2021. You, uh, I challenge accepted. Are you willing to accept this challenge to open this email and dive in by the end of this year? Uh, I absolutely. I appreciate the push. Uh, you have <laughs> my word that this will happen. I will report out on it on our last podcast of the year. Okay. Um, which is uh, tentatively scheduled for New Year's Eve at 11, 11 p.m. <laughs> 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Do you have, but you, you don't have plans, right? Do you, do you, you will be by yourself on that, <laughs> that podcast, that one you're going to I need to switch gears for one second. We went oh. to a, a kid's birthday party. I'm so, do, you have, do you have a lot of friends who have children? I have you. <laughs> but you said a lot of children as in more than one? No, like, do you have a lot of friends who have children? Oh, just have, have children. A lot oh, yeah, children. sure. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why I thought I heard a lot of friends with a lot of children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, how do you define a lot? Right. Because yes. um, dude, sure. I am sorry. If you have, uh, if you have a birthday party for a one-year-old, you yes. have to have, you motherfucking have to have booze there for the grump, for the grumps. I'm not even <laughs> drinking right now. I'm on a, I'm on a fitness challenge, but I am not going to a petting zoo in the middle of a Saturday afternoon. I like, and I'm not even sure. Like, you got to have booze for adults. Everybody listening to this. Don't, if you're going to have a party at a petting zoo, you have to have a, you have to at least give everybody like a brown paper bag with a beer in it or something, because anyway, I digress. Michael, can but, we agree that any birthday party for any child under the age of five or four is for adults only? Like, <laughs> come on. Like it's for the adults. It is not for the child. What? <laughs> well, you do definitely not one, year for your one, one year birthday, two year birthday, like those things are not that really like, who are you really celebrating for? It's not for the child. That is, I, I agree. I think you're right. I think we should start. I think we should start a, a, a foundation. Let's uh, get that one's <laughs> <laughs> um, I was in a, I was in a Spanish class uh, in Milwaukee where uh the teacher was um the question was what is your least favorite food i actually thought it was what's your most favorite food and all the kids were saying like vegetables tomatoes and i'm like this is the healthiest these are the healthiest <laughs> kids i've ever seen in my life um and then somebody's like no it's least favorite it's least favorite i was like oh that makes sense i'm like i can't believe they're not saying sour patch kids and hamburgers and stuff um pizza but uh, the teacher was, so she was saying, and I don't know if this is from any sort of curriculum. I probably should have found out, but I didn't. But uh, she was saying the phrase in Spanish. There was no English. She was, wasn't speaking English at all. She would say, say the phrase in Spanish. The kids would repeat it. Then she would call on one student to answer the question. That student would answer the question. She would respond to that student. And then she would say the phrase again. The kids would all repeat it again. She would ask the question of a different student. That yeah. student would respond. She would respond to that student. This is all happening in Spanish. And they did this over and over again to the point where, now I've forgotten it now, but by the time we walked out of the class, I could say the phrase easily. Um, and I, I don't think that there's enough of that in in schools in general like in in actually the 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 native language of the of the of the, the people of the of the children in that school 
right? The, the, the high reps, not of not, you know, sure. We, we see things with like sight words where kids are saying the words over and over again. I'm talking about that kind of repetition around, uh, you know, multiplying fractions or finding or finding evidence. It couldn't happen as fast with some of the things I'm talking about, but I, I think that in some places in schools, and of course, in the work we do in the like, Great, let's practice a crucial conversation again. Great, let's do it again. Let's look at your language again. And I, I think that one of the reasons why change is hard is because in that Spanish class, it made total sense to practice this to the point of exhaustion, to practice it almost to the point of absurdity, because the, the, the realization for everybody in the room is we don't know this thing at all. And so we've got to practice it constantly and incessantly to get to know it. But I'd argue that there are so many things that we all do on a daily basis that we don't know how to do it all. And that scholars don't know how to do it all. And that asking kids to find evidence one time right. is like saying that phrase in Spanish one time and then never coming back to it uh, or coming back to it three weeks later or saying like, oh, they know how to do it. Like, I it just it really struck me that we could use that level of it doesn't have to look like that. It doesn't have to be horror responses all the time if that's not what fits. But that level of high rep work around things that we are not experts at yet is is needed much more than we currently have it. So are you suggesting people practice how to change? Well, I do think that we, so I think that that's an interesting con concept around how to change. That's or are you not just talking I'm, about the high rep practice in general, that people just need to practice things to get good at them? People need to practice things to get good at them. Oh, and yeah. We, as people who coach other people, and that teachers, as people who are, quite frankly, coaching kids, yeah. should, think about, should think about their classrooms more in the way more like the Spanish teacher thought of her classroom with the kids don't know how to do this at all. And so I'm going to practice it to a place where and get them to a place where everybody's going to know this inside and out. And then I think we should do that in classrooms, in schools, in our work in general. Yeah. Now, your, your, your conversation around practicing how to change Oh, yeah, <laughs> is interesting to me. I, I do think one of the reasons why, and I'd love your thoughts on this. I think one of the reasons why as a culture we're, we're um, bad at changing other people is because I think we're bad at changing ourselves. Yes. And I think, I mean, how many people right now, I'm not going to ask you for a number, but like, think about all the people you know. And how many of them would love to lose five or 10 pounds, right? Yep. I, I bet it's most. I bet it's most. I bet it's over the overwhelming majority. And almost nobody does that, right? Almost nobody loses five pounds or almost nobody saves, saves more money than they currently. Like people, I want to save money. And most people don't. I yep. think like changes, I want to have a better relationship. And, the, and most people don't, right? Like, ah, oh, like. I want to have a better job and change my, like most people, like they stay in the same job. I think one of the reasons why it's hard to change other people is because I don't think that we, as a, I don't know, <laughs> as a species yep. are really good at changing ourselves. And so I don't know if we, I hate talking about this in like the third person or whatever, but I don't, Human. <laughs> humans, I don't think that, I don't think that that's something that we're really good at. And so I'm not sure that we know what it looks like in others. And we know what we know the steps to take. Does that resonate with you? Am I, am I wrong on that? Am I, what are your thoughts there? No, I mean, I, I don't think we, we do well with change. I think that there are like some folks that are really good at it and, and are super focused. I mean, I think if you can like challenge yourself and be disciplined enough to take cold showers and hold your breath, you probably are disciplined enough to recognize something that you really want to focus in and change. And I think that most people don't have that 
um, that, that type of, you know, vigor to do. I think people get comfortable with status quo and like not rocking the boat um, and doing the easier thing. We talk about that all the time at Skyrocket. And um, I, I don't necessarily know that it's a fault, but I do think that in order to really get comfortable with change, you do have to find the smaller things in your life. How, did, how, do, how do you personally make changes and then be able to resonate with that and identify with it in order to think about how other folks think about change? And it is really, really hard. It's really hard to do. Um, although I think I, I mean, I think I'm stubborn with myself, but I don't find it difficult to really work with, with, with others to identify and see things in areas of change um, and to motivate them and get them to at a different place. And I, I it's kind of a, a catch-22 because I think I'm I, I think I'm very slow to change personally. Mm. But as a coach and working in, in education, um, well, no, you know what? Now I think about it professionally and in, in education, I'm probably good at change, like as a school leader and a teacher. But yeah, I, mean, I was just gonna say, I mean, you 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 coach <laughs> folks to change for a living. <laughs> and so stubborn. I am stubborn to personally change. Yeah, stubborn. Stubborn to me feels different than I don't know how. Oh, well, that's um, true. That's true. But Michael, you know, I think everybody knows like the mechanics, like you have to set a goal and you have to, you know, stick to it. Like if I want to lose five, you think goals. everybody knows that. Do you think everybody knows to set a goal? I, I think that most people's new year's resolutions sound like I'm going to get in shape this year. Or I'm going to work out more. I don't think that most folks are saying I'm going to lose 10 pounds by March 1st. Yep. Um, and I'm going to lose, and here's how I'm going to get there. I'm going to lose eight pounds by February 10th and six pounds by, you know, whatever, January, that, that math probably wouldn't work out. But like, I don't <laughs> think most folks are doing that. I don't think that they're saying I'm going to work out three, three to five times a week. I don't think that they're saying I'm going to run a total of, you know, 20 miles a week. I don't think, I don't think most folks are doing that. I think Michael, it is not oh. skyrocket science. I mean, the, the stuff that we, we, we lead folks to do is not you know, out of like, you know, some complex formula, right? Like, I, I think that when, when we talk to folks about it, they're like, oh yeah, that makes total sense. Um, and, I, and I think maybe that's the, the part of coaching, but I don't know, I think there, there's some like idea around like just pulling back the veil of things that people know. But if I know that, I mean, most folks know that if I want to lose, 10 pounds, I am going to have to exercise and I'm going to have to cut back on eating trash food. I, right? I agree that I agree that people know that. I think it would be insane if people didn't know that. <laughs> I don't, I don't know that people go beyond that to the actual like the setting of goals, the yeah the whether it's counting calories or whether it's you know portion control whether it's like intermittent fasting i don't know that folks and that's something that you know I, we're talking about weight here but you know neither one of us could care could you know, couldn't care less what what people what people weigh i want to be clear about that but it's just a, it's such a no, just it's such a what'd you say no, just myself. <laughs> you care about what you weigh? Yeah, me too, and myself. Um, but I think the the you're making me think of a, an expression that sounds like it's not complicated, but it's not easy, right? Like it's not mm -hmm. a complicated thing. Um, it's actually staggeringly simple to understand. Yes. Uh, if you want to save more money, you have to spend less money than you currently spend. Um, if you want to lose weight, you have to take in fewer calories than you currently take in uh, or take in fewer calories than you burn, I guess. Right. But like it's not complicated, but it's also, you know, the, the cheeseburgers are calling our names and the, the beer is calling our name. Um, but I, so so I, I don't think that folks are confused about that aspect sure. of it. I do think that there is a like 
I don't know, like, I don't, I don't know what to do tomorrow at 8 a.m. Um, I know, I know in theory what I need to do. I don't know what I need to do tomorrow at 8 a.m. And even if I go to a spin class tomorrow at 8 a.m., do I then know what's the best time to, to eat food um, that's going right. to maximize the work I did this morning? And what's my class, what's my workout schedule going to look like for the week? And I, I think if we get back to the, the school example, um, well, even let's stick with the, let's stick with the working out example for a second, because, uh, and I'm sure that somebody listening to this, this is, I'm sure that this is going to resonate with somebody listening to this is that you can work out like a lunatic for, for two weeks straight and eat really well and see almost no, uh, sure. results, yep. um, because it's hard. And our bodies are used to be in how they are, whether that's, you know, really fit or not, or whatever, somewhere in between or whatever. Uh, so, and that, of course, and you made that point earlier is that it then it could then become like, well, what's the point of this? Yes. I'm like, I'm super unhappy. I'm unhappy. I'm uncomfortable. I'm yep. starving. I'm exhausted. And I look exactly the same as I looked when I was, when I was happy and yes. full <laughs> and that's why change is hard. Yeah, that's why yeah. change is hard. That, and I'm like, and it happens in schools. And you know, I, I can think of times where I changed instructional models or we changed curricula, yeah. and our data still looks the same. And I'm like, we just moved, did all of this, and you know, why change if you run the risk um, of things not moving? And that fear is so real and palpable in most things that we we encounter in life that the resistance to change is so much stronger and so much safer they say people need to hit rock bottom to change i know that like a lot of the 12 step step programs talk about that stuff do you think that that's do you think that that's fair do you think that that's true or is that like just one of those expressions that's become part of the the vernacular but it's not yeah. really true yeah, I was, you know, when you that that whenever I hear that word rock bottom, I think about um, I don't know if you're familiar with um, Ayana Van Zant. And no, I'm not. Oh, oh, I mean, oh, she's like you know chicken soup for the. She did one of those um, chicken soup, and she's you know really. She also has like a show um, where she you know gives therapeutic advice to folks and help them you know improve their life, fix their. It's like Ayana Van Zant, fix your life, and it's really okay. good actually. But she had a, a, a post about hitting rock bottom. And, um, and, and, and if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I read it, but like that is she, you know, she asserted like that's when the real work um, can begin. And I think that when folks have exhausted um, sort of all of their sort of like fantasies about things that they know that they have to change, um, sometimes you do have to, you know, plaster on the, the your face on the floor to really be like, okay, this needs to change. Um, and I, I I don't know if it's the, the the only the only thing that that that's a a good trigger because certainly people hit rock bottom and they go under rock bottom. Um, but I do think that there is some some fire to it. And uh, when, I mean, I can think of certainly things in life where you get to the bottom of it, you're just like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do something different. I gotta do something different. Yeah. I think you know what I, when, I, when somebody, uh, when somebody tells me that they've hit rock bottom and that they need to change, you know, do you know what I most commonly say to them? Soft. Soft. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, we're gonna get in trouble for this episode. I think they should. You're gonna get down. in trouble. <laughs> no, we, we, your co-host, you signed up for this. You signed up for this. You co-host. Um, what is a uh, give us some hope, man? We are, uh, and I, I gotta be honest. Sometimes we'll have a show, and we'll say that um, we we know we know. Uh, I mean, certainly not every answer, uh, but that we know some answers, right? Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know that we have like, I don't know that we have the, the wisdom on this. I just think change is hard. I think it's hard. And I think we need to, 
uh, not be toxically positive about it. Uh, and it's just, uh, but like acknowledge that it's a hard thing, mm-hmm. but that it, it's not going to happen fast. In most cases, sure. We can see blips, we can see spikes, but even in the teacher's class, I'm mentioning where the coaches have seen some real, uh, real, um, measurable change in a, in a very short amount of time based on one or two coaching sessions. Uh, it, that, that doesn't mean that math, that math proficiency is going to change anytime soon. Right. Yeah. That's, this is like, so real change is hard. What is some, what is some motivation you can provide for our audience around, around this? What can we, uh, what, what's the, what's the silver lining here, man? Do you have one? Do I have a silver lining? Um, well, I don't want to be toxically positive. Um, <laughs> look, I think that there are, we're in like unprecedented times, but I mean, even before, I mean, we say this all the time, like if there wasn't a pandemic, there would be something else. And um, I think that motivation is that, you know, across the country, folks are working, you know, diligently to, to make a change and that we have to keep pressing forward. And we also have to find ways to one, take care of ourselves. Leaders have to find ways to encourage folks to take care of themselves. And we have to be flexible and logical and not always look for the easy way out. And, you know, that, I, I mean, this, this idea of hitting rock bottom just made me think, more about like schools, we, you know, I've been talking to leaders and I've been talking to teachers who feel like they're at rock bottom now, which is um, worrisome, but they also know that the rest of the year is ahead of them and that they are themselves finding ways to change, finding ways to challenge themselves, um, not by taking cold showers, but other ways to really <laughs> pull themselves up and make it through this year and, and ensure that their students get the absolute best education. So it all hope is not lost, but we, we have to be mindful and and really just work work through this together. And I'm I'm happy that we have so many partners that you know trust us to 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 really encourage them and cheerlead them on and we'll continue to do it. A guy named I, I love that a guy named James Clear talks about one percent better each day. <laughs> um, it speaks to your, it speaks to your point about yes. like change taking a long time. Um, I think that I'll add on to your piece because I do think there's optimism here because long-term change can happen. We, we've both seen it. We've both, we've both contributed to it. Um, long-term change can happen. It, it, it won't happen without consistency. Um, it won't, right. It won't happen without precise feedback, precise coaching. Most of the time in schools, what we see play out is leaders who aren't really clear on the thing they're coaching whomever on. And as a result, they have a meeting that doesn't go anywhere. Uh, it's mostly talking, um, there's no practice. They say some things and then they hope that change happens. Now, none of our schools do that, but a lot of our newer partners, that's, that's just, that feels like that's just the paradigm all across K-12 education, that that's what that looks like. And what'd you say? No, it's just, it's easy because it's easy. It's easy and it's, it takes less time. Yeah. And I think it also checks a box. Like I, I'm not, I am not um, irresponsible, neglectful, whatever, because I meet with people and yeah. we talk about the work, but we don't actually get better at the work. Mm. And so I say that without judgment because that's just, that's I we get that that's the gig. That's why our organization exists. Right. So I'm not, I'm not being judgmental of the, of the people who are, who are kind enough to pull, to, to peel back those layers of the onion and say, Hey, this is what I do. Help us be better. What I will say is that change can't happen that way. Um, we, we just, we've never seen it, not in any sort of lasting measurable way, right? You can make a comment to somebody that, that sparks something in them and maybe inspires them to do something a little bit differently, 
but it's not going to make radical change. It just can't. Um, but that if folks do the, and if you think about James Clear as 1% better each day, that if folks operate in that way and they, they are consistent and they are precise and they follow up and there's practice involved that, that folks can get 1% better each day. Heck, you might have a great day and folks get 3% better that day. But I really think that's the way that folks should be thinking about this and that you are not only dealing, um, working with whatever, coaching somebody who has X amount of years experience uh, of doing things a certain way, um, sometimes good, oftentimes not good, but that we're also uh, working on somebody's entire like life and who they've been their entire life. Maybe there's somebody who doesn't follow through. You might be coaching somebody who's 45 years old, who their biggest grow area for themselves is like, oh man, I'm super, I'm a super procrastinator. I don't follow through on things. I start on things late, right? Or maybe if they wouldn't say it, everybody in their life would say that about them. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. It doesn't mean they don't love kids. It doesn't mean like, it doesn't mean anything. It just means that like, this is a thing for them. And so now you're trying to coach this person around school also, and like getting furious or frustrated or whatever and indifferent about the fact that they don't respond to your emails or they miss deadlines or whatever. And it's not just about school. It's about everything else. And so if we can get, if we can coach people really precisely, provide really clear steps for them, practice, hold people accountable. That's another thing we haven't talked about on this call at all, which is holding people accountable. We yeah. can strive for that 1% better each day. I do think that that's, that's where change happens, but it, you know, for those coaches in Texas and the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the hundreds and hundreds of others, thousands of others who are experiencing similar stuff right now, tens of thousands. Um, it's not, it just doesn't happen fast. And that's, I hope that's not cynical. I think it's realistic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. What was that thing that came right after the amen? I don't, I don't know. What My phone's on silent. <laughs> I guess that, something agreed. It wasn't me. You think it's the aliens who, who we both think aren't watching us? You think they're? Wait, do you think that they're aliens who listen to informal observations? Um, they will catch it in a few million years. Yeah. <laughs> So. You know, we're not supposed to, I think Stephen Hawking said, we're not supposed to be broadcasting messages out to like, you know, the, the universe, because any civilization that has the technology to come find us probably isn't going to be too kind when they get here, right? We have a habit in this, we have a habit on this planet, on this planet alone of, uh, of you know, the, the, of taking over if we feel like we uh, we can get an advantage. So um, we, we Stephen Hawking warned us against that, right? Well, we sent out plenty of arrows pointing, come come hither. So <laughs> come hither. Hopefully um, I won't be here when they do. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I hope they are listening to informal observations if they want to know what two, uh, two knuckleheads are talking about. Um, and uh, yeah, well, let's let's sign off, man. This was a great show. We learned a couple things. Uh, we are not. We both agree that children's parties need to have booze, and that that for younger kids, um, the party is mostly <laughs> for the adults. So we agree. We agree that, that there should be booze there. We are we are both not smoking weed. Wink, wink. Oh God. <laughs> Michael, stop saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, now at this point. It's uh, on a serious note, I have not smoked pot in well over 20 years. And so um, there is nothing. We are not we are not high, I promise. Um, but uh, we do agree that change is hard. And uh, you um, you are hoping to not be around by the time the aliens get here, which uh, which is uh, I hope that's in a lot of years, man, because I want you to be around for a long time. Does that, does that sound cool? No holding your breath. On the way to not. stop signs, it, it, it leads to premature death is what I yes, I am not doing any uh, crazy challenges, so except for just the regular day stuff. So I'll be fine. All right, man. Well, listen, uh, folks, thanks for listening. Our password tonight is soft, as you could probably imagine. <laughs> and uh, for Antonio Vance and the team at Skyrocket, 
I'm Michael, and uh, thanks for listening. And until next time, keep on rocking. This was Informal Observations with Skyrocket Educator Training. Sign up for our mailing list at wewillskyrocket.com and look out for our next episode.